Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, I'm so excited to have a very special friend and a very special guest to the show, Sandra Joseph. Now, most of us know Sandra as the beautiful woman in The Phantom of the Opera, Christine Day, who was, Sandra was on Broadway for 10 years in this glorious role, singing her heart out night after night. Uh, She decided that, you know, 10 years singing with a phantom and falling in love and all that stuff, but that's a really good part of the story, we'll tell you, was enough. She wanted to move on. She wanted to share her gifts in a different way in the world. Since she has written a book, Unmasking What Matters, 10 Life Lessons from 10 Years on Broadway, and she's co-authored a book with Carolyn Mace, Your Creative Soul, Expressing Your Authentic Voice. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thanks, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to have this conversation with you. It's great. I'm so glad you're here. Where are you today? (laughs) I'm actually not far from you. I'm in Sacramento right now. Oh, you are. Okay. So you're going to try to have some political say with the, you know, go to the governor's office and tell them your peace of mind? That was not on the agenda. I, I would love to say that's what I was planning on doing today, but actually we're going to go do some wine tasting. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> and then when you go back to, to the Capitol, then you'll really know how to give him your piece of mind. So, <laughs> exactly. I'll be unleashed. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sandra, so let's, let's start with you. Your story and your life is so intriguing to me. And, you know, people who have had the experience of sitting in the theater and, and hearing your voice fill the entire space in, with joy and sorrow and expectation, you have such a way of translating every single emotion in every single note. I, I had that experience of you when I saw you doing Phantom, and I didn't even know you then. And I just, everyone I talk to who has had the experience of you in theater is mesmerized by you. There's a quality in you that is not always captured by some actors and singers. Tell me, when did you start singing? When was that part of you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for that lovely affirmation. You know, as, as performers, what we hope to do more than anything is, is to touch the audience's heart, you know, to, to translate what we're feeling as a character or as ourselves. And really make that emotional connection. It's the most important thing. And I think many of us go to the theater in some ways for permission to feel, to mm. engage our hearts in ways that we're sometimes afraid to do in life. Um, and I, I think for me, the beginning of falling in love with theater really was about that same thing. You know, it just moved me in a way that was visceral and just awakened something in my young self. I was about eight years old when I saw Annie, the musical Annie, and, and I was so taken with this girl up there who was about my size and my age and singing and dancing and acting. And it just looked like the most magical thing in the world. And I had always loved to sing, but only in front of my stuffed animals in my room behind closed doors. (laughs) (laughs) I was not interested in being in front of people. In fact, I was a shy, introverted, really sensitive kid who hated being the center of attention. So singing for me was a private matter. It was not something Mm -hmm. I ever planned on doing in front of other people. And it was a long journey to 
to be able to do that, to, to do it other than, you know, in the privacy of my own bedroom. <laughs> mm. But isn't that great, though, that there was that, the way that you were able to actually express you, put yourself out in the universe in that way of singing, even if it was in the privacy of your bedroom. I mean, that's really uh, almost affirming that you're in there, right? Um, as a child, you had that way um, to do that. Because a lot of kids don't know how to access themselves and mm-hmm. have no nowhere to... Um, let it be. And the only way I can express that is that it's that you affirming yourself as a human being. Wow, that's so beautifully put, and I, I have never thought of it that way. I think as a, a very small child, I was always kind of an, an oddball. I, I felt other than the other kids I just felt different I I think some part of me was always seeking really was always a Mm. seeker looking for Mm. connection looking for truth I was sort of I came in God curious you know in this sort of conversation with the universe as as an highly Mm. empathic very sensitive kid with a very rich emotional life and I do think Play acting, singing, performing gave me an expression for that in a very, as a very young kid. That was sort of my first doorway in to be able to express the conversation that was going on internally and the questioning. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, you know, so many of us as kids, um, we did that, right? We play acted, we um, made up skits we, you know, with, our, with our friends. I, mean, I remember we used to play school. Let's play school. Yeah. <laughs> One of us would be a teacher, with some of us would be a student, you know, and somebody would be a principal. I mean, you know, we'd do this whole thing and we just, we wouldn't even write a script. We'd just dive in and do it and we'd, so we'd have a desk and we'd have, I mean, we'd have a whole thing, right? We'd just act it out. And, and it was all really improv. And, but kids do this all the time. And Mm -hmm. I never really thought about how, you know, it's a way to express a level of emotion in us. I really hadn't Mm -hmm. thought about that. I just thought it was kind of like, you know, oh, it's just something that's made up just to kill time. But um, (laughs) do you have a sense of that? I mean, you had your own experience, but what do you think about in general about that? Well, I'm I'm certainly not a therapist, but I do know that uh, from my my friends who have small children, it, there's a lot that can be learned from watching kids play, and they're expressing mm-hmm. what's going on inside of them in very deep ways through the way they engage with play. And my parents would tell you that I was the kid who would play off on her own for hours. Yeah. I. Yeah, I I could be outside just in the sandbox by myself and entertaining myself, making up stories in my own mind for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. um, where I think we're also expressing certain psycho emotional qualities in the way mm-hmm. that we play, and I'm still someone who needs a great deal of time alone, and yeah. I, I can I'm very happy. Uh, spending time alone. In fact, if I don't get that time, I uh, I start to feel disjointed and, and a little off balance. Yes. So, classic yes. introvert from the start. Not exactly the personality yes. type that you would imagine being out in front of people singing and <laughs> in a spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's true. And yet, you know, when you're in character, it's really not you out there, right? Well, that's true in in the sense you are inhabiting another person, right? That's that's the definition yeah. of what acting is. However, right. what I've really learned in my own journey to, as as an actor is that you are engaging your own emotional body, your own uh. heart. You're bringing what's real for you. You have to have access to your own. Yes 
emotion in order to bring the truth of that character to light. So oh. I definitely think my my sensitivity, my my empathy as an uh, as an empath type, uh, you know, that has all really served me very well as an actor because I do have access to my to my emotional interior in ways that mm. are very easy for me. And sometimes that's been a, a curse and a burden in my personal yeah. life to feel things so deeply. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but it certainly has served me well in inhabiting characters. Mm. And now, you know, what I'm doing now as well. In, in terms of working with groups and... Well, now as a speaker... I mm. I'm I am being myself on stage these days. Yes. Yes. I and so I'm not playing Christine anymore, even though I still sing those Christine songs every time I speak to a group. <laughs> but <laughs> but the ability to stay unmasked, I would say, to to stay mm-hmm. authentic and and connected to my own heart, and to be able mm. to bring that emotional truth to whatever I'm doing, I think that the audience feels that. We can always tell when someone is is putting on a show versus yeah. actually being dropped into what is real and true and authentic. Mm. I love the way you make that distinction because that, 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 those are perfect words to describe that. We, we've all seen that. Um, in various situations, whether it's in entertainment or, you know, even, even in real life, you know, just somebody putting on a show. Um, but, right? <laughs> it, that really applies to every part of life. Um, so I, com- I completely resonate with um, the needing time alone. Um, I, I completely resonate with the way you grew up as a child, um, perfectly content to be by myself, entertaining myself. And, you know, I mean, it was, um, something that actually my parents worried about. <laughs> I was like, mm. you know, I'm, I'm fine with kids. You know, I'm fine with other kids, but I don't need them. Right. So it wasn't that I didn't want to be there. I just didn't really care. <laughs> And and so, yeah, right. You know, and and so, um, and I find that um, in, you know, we do similar work. You do it more uh, publicly on stage with groups and you're speaking and with your facilitating. I do mine more um, one-on-one when I am coaching CEOs and executives and people who are making big things happen in the world. Um, and, but it's that capacity to kind of get myself out of the way and mm-hmm. to be so, uh, willing to be connected to the source that I can completely access that person. And so, you know, and I've seen you do this when you are, um, in conversations with people, um, even casual conversations, your capacity to be present to that person in that moment, even if it's just, you know, having a quick little, hey, good morning, how you doing? Your, <laughs> your, your presence is powerful. You know, it's just who you are. And it's effortless. Um, you know, and I, I really... Uh, I, I think that is that is a gift number one, but I also think it's um, it's a um, gift not only in you but to others because so many people don't ever have the experience of being seen, and you give that every day. I mean that's who you are. Whoever's standing in front of you you are able to see them and they feel that. And, you know, I, I wonder sometimes about that because what I also know about that is that um, you doing that so much that you don't take that time for yourself, as you said, becomes depleting. And so, um, you know, it, it's sometimes tough when you're needing to be 
it out in public in front of everybody when you're not ready for that, right? So what are the things you do to, you know, make sure that your, um, the core of you is strong and resilient and nurtured, um, fed, so that when you're out there, you can be there and not feel like you're giving too much of yourself away. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for that. That is music to my ears to hear that people feel seen uh, by me and feel that presence. Because to me, that, that was the number one thing that being a part of Phantom taught me was the importance of seeing the, the person before you without the mask, that beautiful moment mm. at the end of Phantom when she looks mm. at him without his mask and she offers him unconditional love yeah. in that moment, that loving, accepting presence. I think that's the greatest gift we can give to each other. It's what we all want mm. and, and what we all need. And we do need to replenish ourselves in order to bring that presence to other people. And there's plenty that I can share about how I take care of myself to make sure that I can give that when I'm out in public. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a break right now, and uh, we'll be right back with Sandra Joseph. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Sandra Joseph, who is the author of Unmasking What Matters, 10 Life Lessons from 10 Years on Broadway. Sandra, we were just talking about how um, being in the public eye and being someone who is very able to be present to people um, can take its toll, um, and you have to really make sure that you nurture yourself and have your strong spirit yourself in order to be present and authentic with others. Tell us some of the ways that you, what what do you do to make sure you keep that, uh, I call it the presence muscle 
(laughs) That's good. Yes. I love this question because it's one of the things that's taken me the longest to learn. I really had to practice honoring the needs of my temperament and as an introvert and a highly sensitive person and someone who really does it prioritize being present with other people. And, and when I perform, certainly as a speaker or whether I'm singing or speaking, I want to be fully there with that audience. Yes. And what that means for me is I've had to learn to say no Like if if the person hosting me wants to take me to lunch the day of the performance or if someone, a friend wants to go out that says I'm in town either the day before or the day of, but even the day after, I have learned that I have to set huge boundaries and have rules for my body that I have to say no. I've learned to spend, to really carve out that alone time before and after quiet time where I'm not Mm. in front of devices, I'm not engaging online, I am simply looking at trees or listening to Mm. birds sing, just doing the things that feel decadent to my soul, (laughs) curling up under a blanket and being with my journal. You know, the, the simplest things, meditation, of course, m- movement of your body, of course, those things mm-hmm. also nurture us in huge ways. But just it, it, for me, this, this year, I'm, I'm declaring my year of no. <laughs> Sean Rhymes says her year of yes. Ooh. I really yes. need it. To practice a year of no where I don't feel guilty or ashamed for yes. saying no to invitations that don't feel right for me, saying no to time with people whose energy is draining. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm so so conscious of not wanting to be perceived as a diva or a prima donna or any of those things. Mm. I'm a, you know, girl from the Midwest who is raised to be nice at all costs. And now I've recognized, you know, those costs are very high to me. And yeah. I'm, I'm learning to, that I thrive when I put those boundaries in place and I perform better. I'm much more mm-hmm. able to give 100% and, and then not be just knocked out for a week. Because it, it does mm. cost, especially introvert types. It, it's very yes. not that we're awkward and embarrassed to be with people. Some of us are quite good at being with people, but we oh, yes. need to sleep for a week after we yes. begin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You the restorative time. <laughs> I totally get yes. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really. Um, I, I think the more that we can understand that, just in general in our world, um, the greater gift we can allow introverts to be to the world. You know, because <laughs> yeah. rather than you know, rather than letting all of the extroverts run amok, um, because they love energy and and they love action, um, you know, they the and the introverts typically get pushed aside and um, and yet you know we're all learning and organizations for sure are learning that they've been missing out on a lot a lot a lot of um, intellectual capital and emotional capital mm-hmm. by not paying attention to you know at least a third of their workforce and um, mm-hmm. so yeah you know it's it's very important it's, I love that your year of no I mean that really that really <laughs> That, that kind of puts you on notice, right? You're like, okay, so I said I was going to do this. So now it's not, um, it's not really about with each invitation or situation, you saying, gee, you know, should I, how do I feel? Da, da, da. It's about, okay, this is my year of no. Does this meet the criteria or not? <laughs> you know, it's like, exactly. do I, you know, does it, right? You know, so it actually makes it much more efficient. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and here's the question that I've learned to ask myself when a, when a really cool invitation comes that, you know, is, 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 is I, uh, if if there's a should involved for me, you know, I should mm. I should do this. I should 
say yes to that. I should, but here's the question I've, uh, that's helped me discern whether it's a yes or no. What will the cost be to me inwardly? And that's a question I never used to ask. It was just like, well, could this be a good opportunity or should I, is this an opportunity to contribute, blah, blah, blah. And those answers may be yes, but if the cost to me internally, inwardly is going to be too high, then I have to weigh that very heavily. And it it made me enjoy the things I do say yes to so much yeah. more because I know I'm not going to be strung out and, and exhausted and not my best self after yeah. doing something, after a trip. Yeah. So I have to limit my, the amount of travel, limit the amount of time engaging with other people. I think it's so important for all of us to really begin to look at the needs of our own temperament and yeah. to honor those, to give those a, a place in the conversation for what we say yes or no to. Yes. I love that. I mean, that's really about living life with clear intention. And, you know, the more we value ourselves, the more value we can be to others. And, um, you know, when we are um, kind of chinking away at our spirit by giving ourselves away when we don't want to, um, then you know, the val- our value of who we can be just in a moment um, decreases a lot. And so, yeah, it's so much more satisfying. I hear um, such groundedness in your voice when you speak of this. It's just so great. How old were you when you, well, you don't tell me how old you are, but how, at what <laughs> stage of your life? <laughs> Yeah, I know some people are sensitive. Um, at what no, stage of your life? I, well, I have, to, I have to interrupt you and say I am proudly turning 50 this year. So let's just right, girl. put that right out there. <laughs> Yay! I love I'm it. I love it. Yay! And it, it's one of the gifts of no longer being an actress that I can be loud and ah. proud about it. <laughs> well, that's true, too. Yeah, that's true, too. Boy, that's a whole conversation. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at what stage in your life, and you said it took you a long time to figure this out, but, you know, were you in your 30s, 40s, you know, where you realized taking care of you really matters? Oh, my gosh. Well, it was yesterday. I mean, it's still <laughs> unfolding for sure. My therapist would tell you, oh, she's still learning that one week by week. <laughs> Um, yeah, for sure. But I will say, I've had some health challenges and health scares in my life. Beginning at a pretty young age, at 18, I had a tumor removed from my breast. And it was benign, but it was not, um, it, it was not insignificant. So that was the first thing to get my attention. Also, my father had heart disease, and there's heart disease and cancer in my family, and my own health scares from from the tumor at 18, which I had removed, kind of a golf ball-sized tumor in there, and then it grew back, had another surgery at 22, and in 2016... I had a brain tumor diagnosis, brain stem tumor to be exact, which again Mm. is benign but not insignificant. So Mm. my body has been giving me clues all along that, you know, you got to pay attention here and you have to put yourself on the list and Mm -hmm. it's not serving you to run yourself ragged. And you've got to pay attention to what you're eating and how you're moving, how you're thinking, and Mm. um, where you're using your energy. So those Mm. were the big ones that that came knocking on my door to say, you have to um, really get get clear about self-care. So the physical Mm. part of it was one, one aspect. And my emotional self was... Another thing, I mean, at the height of my, this is something I don't often talk about, Cheryl, that I would, I, and it's not 
that I don't want to talk about it, that oftentimes people want to hear the story of the dream coming true, the fairy tale yes. of rags to riches. And I do have such right. a story. I'm very grateful to say I worked my butt off and faced mm. a lot of rejection and had this big dream come true. But the part of it that I don't often sh- get to share is that the height of my phantom success, there I was on Broadway in this leading role, I was on antidepressants. I was mm. quite miserable in, in not mm. every minute of it, not every year yes. of it. I was there for 10 yes. years, but it, it took a massive toll on me. I had mm. major adrenal burnout. I was exhausted and emotionally completely spent, I think in, in part mm. because of the character I was playing. She's sure. she's not a happy girl, that, that Christine. She's going through it. Yeah. So I had to yeah. engage those emotional muscles every night. Um, yeah. So I, I did really get it that self-care is non-negotiable. If I'm going mm. to have a healthy life and a life that I derive any pleasure from, it's yeah. not going to come from, you know, this is what Ariana Huffington has taught us so much about yes. thrive yes. or that movement. Well, how are we defining success? I mean, we've got to mm-hmm. wake up about that. Exhausting ourselves and being emotionally spent and miserable it does not yeah. equal success, even if from the outside it looks like we've got it all together. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I really appreciate you being so forthcoming about this because I think that more people are able to hear that, you know, this vision of perfection that we tend to see and then um, kind of bow down to um, isn't always what it looks like. Um, You know, the more people can feel uh, that they can trust themselves, you know, they can say, oh, mm. oh, oh, I, oh, so maybe it's not such a bad thing that I don't feel so good and maybe I should pay attention to that. And, um, you know, because I really do believe that the reason that people do not pay attention to their bodies, that they don't pay attention to emotional downturns um, is because it, um feels like it makes them less than, like they're not enough. And so, you know, it's like, oh, can't go there. (laughs) Can't go there. Because then, you know, number one, I'll be labeled. Number two, I'll be, um, you know, not enough, not good enough, not strong enough. Um, You know, I mean, a lot of us grew up in families um, with um, some core beliefs that, you know, you just... No matter what happens, you, you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps and you just keep moving, you know, and you don't talk about it and you just make it happen. And, um, and, and you know, and some of that comes from the, um, you know, family's history of immigration from other countries coming from another country to this country or this country, some other country or wherever it is in the world you know, there's that sense of that, that takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of willingness to be somewhere where you don't know. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of fear involved and excitement and anticipation. And then once you get there, you have to make it happen. Nobody's going to say here, here's your perfect life. And so there is that sense that, you know, don't complain about your life. Just do what you need to do. And so that becomes part of a family recipe. And it sometimes gets into those places that um, just, it's not healthy. And so it requires sometimes a family breakdown in order to come back to, oh yeah, these emotions are important. Oh yeah, you know, we are spirits are important. And um, so I, I, I find the whole um, process fascinating and how it unravels sometimes. Um, and actually, it's kind of like coming out from behind the mask, you know, right? I was I mean, thinking right? the same thing. I was, yes, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's, it's really, you know, we talked about the importance of 
like Christine in that scene with the Phantom. You know, she sees him yeah. without his mask and feels such love and compassion. But how much harder is it for us to see the person in the mirror with that mm. same kind of compassion, to, to drop the mask we're holding to our own faces and be able to really look inward and say, oh, I recognize you've been working really hard and you now need your own mm. loving heart turned toward itself. You need that yes. same self-compassion and acceptance to be able to say all the hard work and, and rolling up your sleeves and doing the work, that's great and it served you well. And if you don't take some time for you, your body's yeah. going to shut down. And we have right. to listen and treat ourselves with that same loving kindness. Mm, love it. You know, um, I uh, had a client about a year ago, who um, was trying to decide what to do with the next phase of his life. He um, very, very successful, you know, started uh, and sold three companies, um, you know, didn't have to worry about the financial aspect of, of life, was really looking for what mattered. And I, um, I started talking to him about health because there were some obvious areas of, um, that needed to be, um, looked at. And, you know, he says, you know, but it's just been amazing. I've, I've always been healthy. I've never really had to pay attention. I eat whatever I want. Um, I, uh, you know, I always have kind of a lot of energy and, uh, you know, and, and I said, and how's that happen? Well, you know, how about now? He goes, well, you know, it's like, I, I feel like I'm tired. I, you know, uh-huh. I said, so look at it this way. Your body kind of gave you a path. Your body said, all right, you've you got this amazing spirit, and I'm going to, you know, be the house, and that, the temple for that spirit, and we're going to run, run, run. Now, I did this for you for all these years. It's time for you to really, like, turn around and pay attention to me. <laughs> and so that, you know, so that, you know, now I took care of you all these years. Now you can take care of me so I can, we can be together the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. And it was just such a, uh, you know, it was, he just got it right away. And he's like, oh, wow, that really made me appreciate my body. I'm like, yeah, your body put out a lot for you, guy. <laughs> so, I mean, yes. it was, it was. Right. And, and I think if we thought about it more that way, we'd be more appreciative of these flesh and bones, you know. Oh, isn't that the truth? You know, I, I heard Eve Ensler, who's one of my sheroes, oh, yes. after she, yes, we love her. She, yes. after her cancer journey, she, I heard her speaking live and she practically yelled at the audience at one point and said, you need to, you know, especially talking about women, how judgmental we are of our bodies and how we yeah. hate our bodies. She said, you need to get mm. down on your knees every day and frickin' thank your body. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say frickin'. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's true. If, if, if our bodies are healthy and they've been given us a path uh, the way that we often treat them, we do need yeah. to really say thank you by taking care of them starting now. It's in entering my yeah. 50th year now, I'm really getting that in a big way. Um, yeah. it's, it's time to really step it, it, kick it into high gear and, and start taking care of the, the, that kind of temple, you know? We, Absolutely. It's so important. Absolutely. So I want to shift the conversation a bit here. Um, you know, in the entertainment world, there has been um, a big, big shift um, with the look and the uh, reaction to sexual harassment and um, just sexual intimidation, um, really um, abuse uh, around women um, in, in the entertainment world. Um, you know, I, I find it fascinating. It's kind of like, obviously, we hit a tipping point because, you know, once you hit the tipping point, then everything happens really, really fast. And so as the um, Me Too movement hit, 
um, you know, the, the willingness to, that was the access point, the willingness to speak about this. Um, you know, from your perspective, um, how, how do you, from the, from the culture of, of the performance industry, and from your perspective, where do you see this going? Do you think this is going to make a shift? Do you think, do you think it's going to um, um, affect the culture in a real way? What are you thinking? Well, I'm not from the Hollywood side of things. I'm from the Broadway side of things, but uh, and and I'm no longer in that industry, so I can look yeah. at it from an outside perspective. Yeah. Um, and I do. I certainly hope that this will begin to tip the scales in favor of more women getting in, into positions of power and not having men run the show anymore. I think we're seeing that already with. Reese Witherspoon and and Nicole yeah. Kidman and I don't know if you watched that that yes, show sure. on it was HBO wasn't it uh, oh, Big Little Lies I believe it was yeah. called um, and women are getting into more writing more producing roles and certainly there's been a fight for quite some time for women to have more roles in acting as they age. Um, And with Frances McDormand's speech at the Oscars, rallying women, having all the women who were nominated stand, that was such a powerful moment. Um, Oprah's recent speech that went crazy viral. I mean, we really... It's such an exciting time to be a woman, whether you're in entertainment mm. or in any field, because yes. I do feel like this wave is coming and that this wave has already begun to wash over this country for us to finally take our rightful place as equals. Yes, and it's yes. not just women, it's minorities, it's trans people, LGBTQ communities, you know, we're, we're finally saying enough is enough. Let's wake up mm-hmm. and, yeah. and start to, to be equals here and pay attention to what's always been under the surface. And it's always yes. been true. But finally, uh, it, it's sort of miraculous the way it's all happened it, in such yes. a short, relatively short time period where it just went yeah. and went crazy. I mean, it just exploded. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was so ready. This volcano was ready to erupt. And now here we are. And I think we have a lot of integrating to do over these next however many years. Um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> and and the, I wonder <laughs> about how long, how long, you know, this is really going to take and when it becomes... Um, uh, I don't know, not, I guess a non-issue, but that doesn't feel like the right term. Um, but it, it's not what we lead with, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's more women in place in, or in roles in being considered. It's just the norm. People will be just doing it, right? And um, I wonder how long that will take. And I also wonder um, about... What happens with the category of people, um, typically white males, who um, compose the group that typically has had a lot of power in most commerce and in most business? Um, I wonder where they land, you know, because mm-hmm. right right now as a as a collective, the white male collective, um, there's um, some that are, I've noticed, there's some that are feeling really angry and resentful. There are some that are feeling um, kind of confused and, uh, gosh, I don't uh, know exactly what to do or who to be or, you know, so there's kind of Mm -hmm. sheepishness. And then there are some that are... um, um, more like, well, it's about time, <laughs> you know, 
and because they have yeah. held, um, they've seen it and they've held women um, as equals and um, sometimes um, higher than that and really acknowledge um, the worth and the value of the woman in the world. And so I see those three categories of the white male that is having this experience. And, um, and you know, I think it's important for us to, number one, not lump everybody in the same category. Just not, you know, mm-hmm. just like women, not everybody has the same experience or, you know, is the same way. Um, mm-hmm. But also to um, uh, now figure out how to, um, and I, I, I know I'm going to get pushed back on this, but how to not be so angry. You know, I know mm-hmm. that anger has, um, you know, anger was what was the energy that finally pushed it open, and that's really, really good. But if we live in anger, then, you know, we are always going to be um, suspicious. We're not going to feel trustworthy, mm-hmm. trustful, not trustful. We're not going to feel trustful. We're not going to give ourselves the opportunity to believe that there is even a possibility we can trust. And that's going to end up hurting us if we live in that state. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not being Pollyanna. It's not like, oh, yeah, now it's fixed and everybody's nice and we should just, like, say, okay, you know, it's going to be fine now. It's not. But I I really do think we need to pay attention to the how of this as we go forward. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And as far as the how... Just to bring it down to a really personal level, I, I've come to recognize that for women in particular, we're, we're so conditioned to play small in, in a lot of ways. And we're, there's a lot around, you know, even the courage to use your voice. Uh, and, and that's what began this uprising, right? Is the courage yes. to use your voice. And, and I talk a lot about taking little baby step risks, you know? And yes. whatever that looks like for a woman, I, I do feel like if we're really going to take our rightful place at the table and tip the scales in, in terms of balancing the power structure... It begins yeah. with every choice you make every mm. single day between love and fear, between empowering mm. your voice, using your voice, and staying quiet. And that can be, you know, yeah. if you're a mom, at, uh, 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 staying at home with kids, it, it, it doesn't have to be in the traditional way right. that we're seeing, but any time that you find your own inner courage to... Express your truth in a way, in kindness, in love. That is a step in the right direction for all of us. I, you know, we we've, mm. we've all heard that the world will be saved by the Western woman. The Dalai Lama said, and I think men yes. are paying attention to that now too. But yes. for every Western woman, we've got to dig deep and find the courage to. On a grand scale, I would say to go after our mm. dreams, to express mm. whatever it is you know is inside of you, to let that out. And mm. in, in every small little little way in our day-to-day lives, choose, listening to our inner voice and finding the courage to express our truth, I think those are all ways that we can practice feminism in a, in a really practical way. Mm. I like that so much because, you know, sometimes it does feel big and overwhelming. People feel like, you know, well, I can't go out and march in the streets. It's like, well, you know, then, then pay attention to where you are right now and, um, and be willing to use your voice. I love that. And, you know, you have in your book, Unmasking What Matters, 10 Life Lessons from 10 Years on Broadway, you um, talk about, you know, really finding your Power, right, and valuing others and um, adjust, adjusting your perspective. And um, I love the one you have 
remember your curtain call. <laughs> we just have a couple yeah. minutes. Talk about that. Talk about remembering your curtain call. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I shared, you know, my own health struggles have been a real wake-up call for me. And Mm -hmm. we do know that life comes with an expiration date. We just don't know Mm -hmm. when that will be. And for me, uh, having these health scares from the time I was 18 years old, I've been in some ways hyper-aware of limited time and also losing loved ones very suddenly and at young ages. Um, it's gotten my attention and, and I think it's, it's helped me to live my life more intentionally. So I do think there's tremendous value in the recognition, not in a morbid way, but in a mm-hmm. motivating way that, that we have limited time here and let's look mm-hmm. very carefully and mindfully at how we're spending the time we've been given so that when the day of the final curtain call comes, we can say, you know what? I, I used my time. Well, I did what I came here to do. And, and I I lived in a way that was in alignment with who I know myself to be beneath all roles. That's fantastic. Sandra, we could talk for hours and we're, we're out of time. We have to go. Oh my God. Uh, I love, I know, I love that you've been here today and we will definitely have to have you back on Leading Conversations. Uh, your book is Unmasking What Matters, 10 Life Lessons from 10 Years on Broadway. And it can be got, purchased on Amazon and bookstores. And your website is? SandraJoseph.com, J-O-S-E-P-H. Awesome. Sandra, thank you. It's been a privilege having you here today. And remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.